Factually incorrect, DMX. I'm not. This week, Sam Friedman is, though. Young gun trainer from overseas, over east, I should say. In a partnership with his father, Anthony, saddling up two Melbourne Cup starters this week. Incredible feat for a young guy. And, of course, off the back of 12 months ago, winning the derby with Warning. Of course, a couple of my mates are involved in the ownership of Warning. If you are interested in investing in a horse, absolutely seek out the Freedmans because my mates invested bugger all, and before you know it, they won the $2 million derby. So Sam Friedman, young gun trainer, love chatting with him over the next 45 minutes. Talk about the day in the life of a trainer, jockeys, winning you know, the events, Melbourne Cup Day, having a few beers with your mates. He's an absolute star. But we are here, of course, thanks to Exchange Depot. Change for change, they pay cash. Some of these places where you bring your bottles, they give you vouchers. Vouchers are no good. We take cash. We want cash, and they give you cash. There's absolutely no limit on returns. I know the government was saying you can't hoard. Don't hoard. You can hoard. Just hoard and bring in as many as you want to Exchange Depot. And they do take those crunched containers. Some places go, no, we don't accept them because of the state. At Exchange Depot, absolutely acceptable. So gather them up. Watch the races, watch Sam Friedman win the Melbourne Cup and then head down to one of their five locations. Bayswater, Esperance, Forestfield, Quinana Beach and Picton. To find your nearest location, just jump on exchangedepot.com.au. So sit back, watch the races, have a punt, have a beer, keep your cans and then take them down to Exchange Depot. If you do want to see their stuff, check out exchange underscore depot on Instagram and of course their little slogan, crack it, smack it, stash it. Cash it. Enjoy Sam Friedman. Patch and Southern Moon, but warning is brave. 100 metres to go. It's warning. Two leaks, Southern Moon. And it's Damien Oliver and warning to win the derby. It's time for a beer with young gun trainer Sam Friedman. G'day, mate. How are you? Hey, mate. All good. Thanks for having me on. No, thank you very much. Exciting, uh, exciting time of year for... Horse trainers, all those in the industry, and it started super well for you last week, didn't it? Yeah, it did. It's um, it's obviously, you know, grand final time for us in the industry. You know, we're racing all around, um, you know, 365 days, but this is really the time you want your horses to be going well, and um, it was good for us to have, you know, a nice couple of weeks. Yeah, when I asked you to come on, mate, it was a um, so great for you to jump on too, because there's one thing I know about the people in uh, who listen to my podcast. It's uh, footy. Cricket, horse racing, and beers, and that's about. Uh, <laughs> so you, you, you've well and truly got one of the main boxes tick now. Uh, throughout this chat, mate, we, we're going to cover a lot of things because I think, like, I love watching the races. I've got um, Cranbourne on at the moment, uh, but what goes on behind the scenes and stuff, we don't really see a lot of um, as much as we possibly can. We, we obviously love love seeing it, so I'm looking forward to hearing what uh, your journey's been like along the way, but. Let's start, mate. You're obviously a freedman, racing family. Uh, you're off to boarding school. What was the juggling act between you know, education, uh, love for horse racing, you know, wanting to maybe go into horse racing, maybe want to go in a different direction like some of your family have? How, how did you balance boarding school and the will to, or the will and want to become a, a trainer yourself? Yeah, well, it was sort of, um, look, dad, um, dad never really pushed me to, to get into it. And I think that allowed me to really hone in and focus on my academics while I was at school. And obviously I, um, I was at boarding school, Melbourne Grammar, and 
I was very focused on my cricket and and my schoolwork. So, I mean, I was working in the stables all through school, just in the yeah. holidays and the odd weekends and stuff. But um, I really, you know, it was it was a conscious effort to make sure I was focused on school at the time, and then and then made decisions after that as to as to where I wanted to to head with it all. Um, but I think it it helps when you know, particularly from dad, that he he never he was never pushing me to get into the industry. It was really, you know, left it up to me to, to decide what I wanted to do. And, mate, how were you at school uh, academically? Were you, were you a reasonable student? I mean, uh, I went to Melbourne Grammar myself and uh, I, I wasn't a reasonable student, um, but <laughs> I was probably one of I was the black sheep amongst the, the boarding house. Uh, how how'd you go academically? I went okay. I think I got high 80s or something yep. like that. And um, I worked bloody hard to get, what I got, yep. I think I'm, I got as, as well as I could, but I wasn't naturally um, gifted. And I've got two siblings who were, well, Charlie, my brother was a, a 99 student and yep. my sister was a high 90. So I was the, I was the dad of the three of us. <laughs> but um, yeah, our boarding school was brilliant. I loved it. So it was a great experience. Mate, you're not boarding school over and you said you were, you were big into your cricket. Uh, you go over to the UK, was that sort of more of a, a cricketing trip or you, you got involved in, in racing over there as well. What were your intentions uh, initially heading over to the UK? Yeah, well, I think um, initially it was it was all cricket pretty much, yep. you know, like I was playing at Paran and um, and was asked if I wanted to go over and play for a, a side over there. So I, um, I took up the offer and, and I was only going to be sort of training one day a week and then playing on the weekend. So I thought I was probably going to end up pretty um, – pretty bored i was probably going to blow out as well if yeah. i was going to the pub every day or something like yeah. that so like look at me I, um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I decided i'd um i'd get a job so i worked in pre-training for a small a small trainer over there and then um applied for another job over there and, and ended up staying for for 18 months when i was probably supposed to stay for six months so it quickly became more of a a racing um experience when it started out as as cricket and that was probably when i um I was I was really set on then going down this this training path after after that whole experience over there. To be playing to be playing cricket at Pran and obviously you would have been playing at school and then over the UK was was professional cricket um, an option an alternative um, or is it you know one of those things that uh, there's that many bloody good cricketers out there that um, you know zigzagging and probably heading in the in the horsing direction was a wise choice. Yeah, well, look, I was. Um, I was never going to be good enough to to get to a, a, a serious level of cricket. Yeah. Um, but I was I was captain in year twelve at school, and so I was I was very committed to it. And yeah. but I quickly found myself um, after school, like when we were playing on Saturdays. You know, you really want to um, you really wanted to bowl first so that you could you could get the bowling done in the morning, and then I could I could sit back yes. and watch the races all afternoon while we're batting. So I think when my mindset switched to that, I was probably I was probably done with it. I reckon. Mate, the uh, actually a funny story. Uh, we played Scotch College one day myself and uh, Hawkins and a couple of others, and it was Emirates Stakes Day, and we had a tip, and I, I think it was Valedictum. I think that that horse won. I can't remember, but it was about 60, 70 to one. Anyway, I ran myself out. Hawkins deliberately got bowled. <laughs> And us boarders sat up in the uh, in the little tier level at, at Scotch College there, uh, and watched us win the uh, win the stakes at, at about sixty to one in the boarding house where, where you're fighting for a feed. It's, it's feed or famine in there. Tell you what, we had fifteen dollars on it each, and we ended up with about eight hundred bucks. It was 
Christmas. And that's when I realised that maybe cricket wasn't for me when I'd freely run myself out to catch a race at Flemington. Um, oh, God. Mate, so yeah, you, you do your pre-training and stuff over in the UK. Uh, what was the what was the message to come home? Like, was you eventually um, done and dusted? Was it visa it had expired, or uh, was it time to, to get into the the big wide world back in Australia? Yeah, well, I think it was a, a mix of all of that. The visa situation, you know, you get your I think it's the tier four, and you get two years uh, maximum, and then and then your employer's got to got to front up a fortune to keep you and yep. I wasn't going to ask my employer to do that because I was only going to stay another six months maybe so yep. I um yeah I think a bit of both and then also you know back here um Lee and dad were, were training together and and Lee my uncle was was taking up an offer to go to Singapore so yep. there was um it was a good opportunity to, to come back and then and then um you know work as foreman for dad and then you know that's sort of what I did for the last few years and then um yeah i think it was it was just really good timing yeah nice so you return back and um yeah it, it's a wonderful time of year i've yet to meet someone that doesn't like the uh the, the racing industry and getting involved how hard is it for you to separate uh the business side of things to people like myself who love going to the races for a day out and the fun side of thing where it's actually deemed as work for you like you've got to really switch on yeah well it's um it's funny because like I'm just like everyone else who just loves going to races yeah. as well and, and having a few beers with mates. So it's you you sort of if I've got a really busy Saturday then I'm I'm focused on on work and then, you know, once work's done it's you know, I can stick around at the races and, and yep and have beers with mates. Obviously at the moment it's it's just going to the races <laughs> and going home. You stand but, there by yourself. Um, yeah, it's it's strange. Like most spring carnivals, you've got a I've got a good crew of mates. A lot of them went to school with, and yeah. they'll all come along and and they'll support from the sidelines. And then any time I can get up there for a beer, we'll, we'll catch up. And so I think it's it's a healthy way of doing it. I think if I was um, only work 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 the whole time, yeah. I think you probably cook yourself a little bit. So I think it's good to have a, a really good balance, um, particularly like at the races. Yeah, we're talking about a balance. You uh, you return home and and you as you said mentioned started as foreman for. Your, for your dad, how was the relationship with your, your dad like prior to working together? Are you, like for me, I'd happily say my dad's my best mate. Would ring him, you know, um, three times a day, uh, except for when I'm in trouble. His phone seems to go missing. He doesn't get hold of me. And then, oh <laughs> shit, mate! Sorry, I didn't realise you're in trouble. Sorry, mate. Um, <laughs> how was the relationship between between you and dad uh, prior to, to working? Were you were you a little bit like myself, and he was your best mate, or was it a bit, um, you know, distance because you'd been over the UK and that sort of stuff? Yeah, I think um, it's it's always hard um, working with family. I yeah. think like, um, I mean, I'm very close with dad, but it's it's also a case of separating your work from um, from family. So like, mm-hmm. that's a really hard balance, I think, to to come up with. Like, it's you know, where do you separate when you're discussing work, and where do you sort of switch off from it? And because racing's twenty four seven, you know, there's there's things that need to be decided on every day about every horse and um, work for the next day. I think one thing, you know, dad's been really conscious of pressing on me was that it's, you, you know, you, you really know, have to know when to switch off and, yeah. and have that balance because if you become all encompassing in racing, you'll quickly either burn out or you'll, um, you'll start to resent it or you'll yeah. affect our, our, you know, your father son relationships. So um, it's something that I'm still sort of working on and learning about how to balance it. Um, but 
yeah, I mean, we fight, we'll have arguments and all <laughs> that, but it's, um, I think it's, it's all healthy. And at the end of the day, you know, you know, we get on very well, so it yeah. works okay. And I've noticed that you, uh, you do a lot of the media stuff. It's a, it's a joint partnership you and dad are running at the moment that, uh, Someone might have said to me that your dad can sometimes be referred to as Mr. Grumpy. Uh, is, is, that, is that true, mate? He can get his hot head on occasionally and then maybe you're the best That's person very to represent. Good intel. That's good intel. It's, um, yeah, he's, he's got that nickname over a, a career of being grumpy. <laughs> yeah. So he's, um, he's not a morning person and we're in the industry where you're up every morning pretty early. So it's, it's not a good time to catch him early in the morning. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's, he's, misunderstood sometimes it's um <laughs> you know, he's that's a that's a nice way of putting it um yeah those that are sort of close with him you know he's got a core group of, of a couple of friends but he he obviously doesn't you know do much of the media and yeah and much of the releasing side of it he likes to really work at home and, and work on the horses and, and do all of that so it's funny mate not too dissimilar to myself <laughs> i do um breakfast radio here in perth and you're there early, and of the, the group, I'm probably the grumpiest in the morning. I'll, I'll pay that. <laughs> but there's nothing more irritating when someone goes, geez, you're grumpy, mate, and you're not grumpy. Like, shut the fuck up. I'm yeah. not grumpy. I'm not grumpy. <laughs> I, I promise you I'm not grumpy. And then, like, oh, look at him. He's grumpy. He's reacting. I'm like, oh, my. And then before you know it, it's ruined my day, and I'm a pain in the ass to everyone, all because they reckon I'm grumpy. Snowballs. Oh, it's snowballs. So, mate, you've got your, your license and your, your partnership with Dad. How did you go about getting your license in, in horse racing? How do you – yeah, finally become a trainer and have that joint partnership. Yeah, it's a it's a pain in the ass. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of lot of um, you know pa- the paperwork and and doing the actual like I mean training horses isn't done on a piece of paper, yeah. but yet you do a license and you've got to you've got to know all these little things that realistically probably most trainers wouldn't even know the answers to. So yeah. there was a lot of that sort of paperwork and. Um, it took a while to organize longer than I probably thought it would and was lucky um, I had a few people helping me you know push it through because it was we left it a little bit late we wanted it done for the start of the new season and yeah. um, and, and we just just got it done in time I think so so you're off and racing mate and, and I didn't even mean to say off and racing it's just a phrase I use all the bloody time <laughs> um, what's a typical day and a morning for you guys I mean um there's always a fair bit of concern for the uh, the health of jockeys and stuff because, you know, track work in, into riding race days and all that sort of stuff and, you know, trying to keep the weight down and all that sort of stuff. But what's a typical uh, day in the life of a trainer for you at the moment? Yeah, well, it's, um, we've got two two bases. Um, our main base is at Pinecliff, which is where yep. I am now. It's There's 51 horses here in training and, um, and we work our horses off the daylight pretty much which yep. which you know we're, we're lucky to be able to do that so you know our staff and us are probably you know you get in about quarter to five five o'clock and the yep. first horse is out at six and um you're essentially getting the horses ready saddled um getting the riders on telling them what, what work they're doing on each horse so um, each horse and the rider the rider will be on each horse for roughly 20 minutes yep so it's um their exercise for the day is generally planned out at the start of the week on what they're going to do each on each day. And, um, and then you sort of just stick to that by the, you know, through the week. So, yeah. um, and we finish the morning generally about 10 30, yep. 11. Yep. And that's, um, that's at Pinecliff. Flemington's a bit different. We, we start at uh, about three thirty. Yeah. So that's okay. early. That's an early start. Um, that one. Yeah. Which is, 
the next person that asks me why we start at three thirty, like I've got no idea. No one, yeah. no one knows why why we do it. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's as you said with like jockeys and their their mental health, it's it's taxing on on every trainer, I think. Yeah. And then I think now even more so, there's more need for communication with owners and and all of those updates, which you generally yep. get done at the end of the morning. And then there's the afternoon shift, which starts at about. 1.30 and goes through to about 4.30. Yep. So, um, yeah, it's sort of, it's it's interesting because there's always new things happening every day. It's yeah. not like a an office job where you sort of go in and you, you know what's going to happen. There's always something that pops up, whether it's good or bad, that's going to happen every day. To So it's a, it's a roller coaster of all different emotions yeah. pretty much. Have you got uh, like a, another trainer or someone? I know obviously as we've spoken about plenty, you've got a, a partnership with your dad, but have you got... Yeah, a rival essentially, but someone you can bounce ideas off. Like, have you got a little um, couple of trainers themselves that you, you can bounce and, and chat to? Yeah, well, look, um, our foreman, so Steve Adams, he he runs the stable up at Flemington. He's, I was probably learning off him when I was, um, you know, when I was really young. Yep. So he um, he taught me a lot. So I, anything you know, I've got any query on, I'll always call him and bounce ideas off him. He's obviously got you know more experience and and um, you know, he's brilliant to bounce ideas off. And then I've got a really good group of mates like um, Dave Eustace, who's a trainer, and, yeah. and Calvin McAvoy and and a couple of other guys, Jack Turnbull and Ben Gleeson, who yeah. we've got a WhatsApp group that we all are in. And so Ben Gleeson works for Danny O'Brien and Jack Turnbull works for Maroney. Yep. And then there's McAvoy and, and Eustace. So we'll all bounce ideas off each other. Like it'll be like all hours of the day. Someone will just send yeah. me, you know, what do you think it was? What do you reckon this will do with, with this horse? And, I think it's a healthy discussion to have. I mean, it's unusual, I think, because we're all then the next day going out and trying to beat each other in every race. Yeah, but, um, yeah, we're all sort of close off off the field, I suppose, and and it helps to um, to be learning all the time off different people. I reckon. Yeah, I find it um, obviously similar sort of situation with group chats with mates or something. And if something does go wrong at work or um, in the footy, if someone's suspended or played shit house or something. Usually it just takes one person to throw something in a WhatsApp group and it just sparks. You're like, all right, the world still goes on. I'm copping <laughs> shit still. Uh, away we yeah. go. I mean, those WhatsApp chats are bloody good to have um, when you mm. need them, especially 100%. during um, you know, COVID. Tell us about Spring Carnival and COVID and prepping your horses for you know the unknown. How, how did you go? Yeah, I think the government in 50 years' time will go, everything shut down for COVID, but horse racing kept going like i mean i could not fathom and yeah. i was just like they're gonna wake up one day and realize horse racing's still going and it's gonna ruin my <laughs> days because i'm sitting at home doing nothing I, I didn't reckon the government knew it was still going i was like you beauty keep it going but how did you guys go with you know the unknown of everything yeah well there was um there was a period there when i think it first started where we were bracing for it all shutting down i think every trainer and yeah. industry was probably thinking the same so we had plans in place to put every horse in the paddock and give them all a break. And um, it was going to be difficult, but it was, we were accepting the fact that we were just going to have to stop. And yeah. um, somehow it managed to continue. I mean, it, it was amazing how it did because it was, <laughs> you know, like really my, I was really fortunate because my life didn't really change. I mean, I was still able to go to work as normal. Mm. Um, I didn't really see a lot of people during the week anyway, so yeah. I wasn't really missing out on that. Um but I think, yeah, all the staff, I mean, particularly Flemington, all the staff up there, because there was such a hot spot up there for COVID when it first broke out, like, you know, in the um, 
in those towers and like mm. all around the housing blocks at Flemington were, were riddled with it. Um, it was a dangerous sort of place to be and all the staff to their credit, you know, toughed it out and the protocols in place were, were very strict. You know, you, you had to log, we had to log where we were going each day. We had to, we got our temps checked at every racetrack. Um, we had to, you know, get our temps checked when we got to work every day yeah. and record them. So it was, there was no, um, and if there was any obviously inkling of anyone being sick, we had to get them tested. And, and we had a few scares where like yeah. you, you get staff who are sick and they've got all the symptoms. And, and one of our staff members, her, her mother was a, a nurse and, and she was sick. So she oh, was yeah. getting tested yeah. and she was so like, you, 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 you shut down for a day or two and you nervously wait. The oh, results. Just you obviously just don't hope. know. Yeah. Cause you know, if, if, if one of them is positive, I mean, the industry really was, was probably one positive away from, Oh yeah. Uh, shutting down and, and it would have been really hard to start it back up again. So it was, um, yeah, touch wood. I mean, we're, we're through it and it's it's all up from here. Was it Mark Zara early days off the top of my head who, mm. and the day got called off like like that, it was no racing. Yeah. And it was, and then the whole industry sat there going, please don't get COVID, please don't get COVID. <laughs> and it was all clear. It was like one of those uh, party scenes you see on Instagram or, you know, where everyone's celebrating because yeah. the show must I go I saw that, um, that, that punters, the Twitter group, they put out that um, where the Mark Zara negative test comes yeah. up on the <laughs> there's a big celebration. Oh. Um, yeah, I think it was genuinely, um, it, it was, he was on his way to the races, I yeah. think, and he got, and he got told that he couldn't and then they called the races off and, and then, yeah, it was that nervous wait, waiting oh. to see what had happened. Mate, killer. The uh, let's press on to um, you, you. You train a horse that I've got a couple of mates in, um, and it's uh, one of them second horse, one's first horse. It won the Derby last last year. Warning, um, incredible high uh, for yourself. Would, would that be you know, your crowning moment at the moment? Obviously, almost twelve months on, uh, winning winning the Derby because my mates um, carried on. They actually walked around honestly like they thought they were the sheik. Yeah, they were the sheik for the while. They honestly thought they were the biggest owners in horse racing in Australia. Uh, can you can you rewind twelve months ago to the to the Derby day? Um, obviously, warning uh, one mere comfortably in the end. Uh, it, it took us through that moment. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. Um, that, I know a lot of those guys. That, it was like their first horse there, yeah, the second crazy. horse. I mean. I don't want to shatter their dreams, but they'll never own another horse like him, more, <laughs> yeah. more, more likely than not. So, so true. Um, he, yeah, it was it was amazing, really, because he went into the race a good chance, but we we probably weren't that confident on him handling yeah. the, the wet ground, and um, he'd run okay at Caulfield the start before. There was a lot of question marks going into it, and um, yeah, I mean, in the end, it was a it was a painless watch, mm. and I mean, yeah, the scenes after they're the sort of I mean, you would have experienced it in footy as well. Like when you when you have those amazing moments, like you just remember every moment of that afternoon and yeah. the night, and yeah, they sort of stay with you for a long time. And and you pray to try and get another horse um, to mm. get you back to that sort of that high because there's obviously so many lows in racing. So I'm sure all those boys, um, well, I'm sure they'll remember it for a very long time, and they're obviously experiencing. Um, you know, with him going to the Melbourne Cup, which is a yeah. whole new experience, and you know, 99% of owners will never be in a horse that'll that'll run in a Melbourne Cup. So um, they've just you just it's a shame you can't they can't enjoy it at the races because it's that sort of once in a lifetime experience really. And you're as you mentioned, in a, um, you know, first horse for some, second horse for some. 
It is the, the yeah the dream of horse racing. I guess is it wasn't an expensive buy. It was uh, a mate of yours. Um, a mate of yours picked the picked the horse out. Uh, it wasn't expensive. It was just um, you know the, the, everything lined up and you know for for those guys who aren't on the, the big bucks and aren't forking out hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands. It's just a story for anyone can anyone can ride a journey and, and on Derby Day be you know, on the podium enjoying you know, what they've what they've achieved. Yeah, well, that's the thing, and I think um, you look at all the winners of these major races now, and and they've a lot of them are imports. They've paid squillions for them, yeah. you know, like it's and little old warning who was bought out of an Adelaide Magic Millions for sixty something thousand, yeah. and and he's up there on the big stage competing. So I think it, there's always a story like that, and and it it pays for for people to recognise that it's not just a game for. Mm. for yeah, the really wealthy, there's a huge opportunity to get into horses at a lower, lower financial level, which is like where we we tend to try and shop is around that that sixty to a hundred thousand. Um, yeah, it's still a lot of money, obviously, but it's compared to what is being forked out. It's um, mm. it's a good range to be in and with a group of mates, and I've got plenty of mates in some horses, which I actually try and steer them away from going in horses yeah. because it tends to pollute your friendship when things start yeah. to go poorly so if we do it i tend to do it in a, in a really big group where everyone's got and i'll yeah. take a small share and we'll have all got one percent and yeah and then it's more just about going to the races together and and getting on the piss and enjoying it yeah and i i've had a, a couple of horses through my times and uh, when i first moved to west coast to sort of we settle in and, and i guess i suppose try and find a friend he he was into horses jacob brennan and uh he <laughs> said, do you want to buy a horse? I said, bloody earth, let's buy one. Anyway, that was so shit. That was so slow. <laughs> and finally, one day, it one day broke its duck for us. And I, the emotion, as you see, and you turn into a clown at the races and you don't know that you're a clown. And uh, we were in his front room. And it was running in country Victoria somewhere. And I jumped up and punched the air as hard, like as wild as I could. And his ceiling fan was on three. And my arm went straight through his fan, through his roof. And, the, you know... <laughs> In the end, the eight hundred bucks prize money I got out of it went towards fixing went his to bloody roof. roof. Oh, it was a shocker. We've had some. Uh, it's all about racing and, and good times. We uh, we went one day and I had a, just had a shoulder reco to um, Oaks Day, and there was a horse called Patrology uh, running. And uh, oh, yeah, Hayes used to have it. Yeah, yeah, it? yeah. Hayes yeah. has had it, and um, it was owned by uh, Walsh over in WA. Anyway, he didn't come over, and so we were there, and the, so we had the owners passes. And the only message we had to get before the, the race was it was about to get gelded and just wanted to know the plan post being gelded. So we went down and spoke mm-hmm. to Hayes and said, um, Dave, what's going on? Um, we need to pass the message on. He goes, look, yeah, we're here for a run. Uh, it'll be gelded uh, next week. Anyway, so we're mm-hmm. in the owner's box in, on Oaks Day and Petrology grew an extra leg and won by about two and a half lengths. <laughs> and we're sitting there as the owners and punching the air. I've got my shoulder in a sling. And of course, where the owners are, the cameras are on you. So over here, it was like me and Jacob Brennan and Monkey Brennan, his father, who was uh, vice-captain of the Eagles for a long time, had won a race on Oaks Day. And we're standing up on stage thanking NEC, making a speech mm. to the uh, to Racing Victoria and the chairman. Not a cent yeah. of it was mine, but Petrology knew it was about to be gelded and ran like <laughs> an absolute superstar. Um, mate, as we said... They warning- definitely know those. You know, when, yeah. when, you, when you give a horse an ultimatum yep. to say... 
this is the last chance. Like, <laughs> we're going to sell him or we're going to, you know, he's going to be gelded. Yeah. They'll come out and buy themselves another six months. And oh, yeah. And then give them the ultimatum again and they go again. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> like a footballer running out of contract note. They find a couple of lengths <laughs> when their ass is on the floor. Talking about, we'll, we'll chat quickly about the Melbourne Cup. Uh, you got a couple of runners um, from what I, I gather. They're still all good to go um, first Tuesday in November. How are you going preparing your two runners? Willie Pike, there'll be money for uh, still prints over yeah. in WA. There'll be a lot of money for it. Obviously, Willie's a, uh, a fan favourite in WA. How, how's the preparation of the horses going? It's been good fun. It's, um, it's a pretty amazing experience having, having one runner you know, in the cup, yeah. alone having two. So it's, um, yeah, it's been amazing. I think um, you know, this whole preparation and, and touch wood, you, know, you have a clear few days and you get there with the two runners because it's, they're animals that can do anything between yeah. between now and then, but um, they seem in really good form. They've um, warning. It's funny. He, he actually ran, as I was saying in the Derby before, he ran a very similar race mm-hmm. at Caulfield before the Derby as to probably what he ran at Caulfield last start um, in the Caulfield Cup. So I think he'll, he'll run a much better race back at Flemington out yeah. to two miles and still Prince, um, He's your in, he, he's your inside mid that that doesn't know how to lie down. He just yeah. um, loves it when they come at him. He'll he'll kick and and put in it, put up a really good fight. Um, not blessed with like as much talent as some of these, yeah. you know, high profile internationals. But he's he's the sort of horse that yeah you'd love to take to war. So um, I think look, they're both they're both top ten chances. I think yeah. once you start getting into that top five bracket, that you, you probably have to be a little bit better than them, but um that said you know things work out on a day and and every horse you know can have their day and and one thing is they can make their own luck somewhere near the speed and and i think that they'll both tough it out it'll just be um it'll just be a case of if i think tiger moth or one of those internationals turns up they could quite easily um blow the field away but um very happy with them anyway so when you when you turn up in, in footy um analogies like the coach say that they don't do much on game day like the preparation's been done what 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 do you tell the jockeys you know melbourne cup one the biggest race that you've ever sort of been involved or do you sort of just jockeys uh the horses are fit like what what sort of messages do you pass on to the jocks well i think um for these two horses like um for steel prince willie pike's obviously never ridden him so it's important to give him a really good guide on on what the horse is like Mm -hmm. and um so I think he, knowing the sort of jockey that he is and what he's like as a as doing his homework, he'll speak to all the riders that have ridden him before, I'm yeah. sure, and just get a guide on on what he is like in his races, and we'll fill him in with as much information as possible, and we'll have a rough. You give him a rough game plan. So yep. it, Saturday night the barriers will come out. Um, you know, we'll go through the field Sunday and we'll we'll map out a likely speed map or what mm-hmm. it's going to be run like jockeys will do the exact same and um i think you, you have a plan but you leave it open that once those gates open i mean i suppose it's like a footy match the coach can give you all the instructions you want but as soon as you're actually playing you've got to yeah. change plans so once those gates open he'll um you know, each jockey curry and, and pike will um will have to make the decisions and, and yeah. you just hope that that they're the right ones it seems like pikey's making the right ones more often than not at the moment anyway yeah, absolutely. Are you a, are you a watcher, or do you look at the screen, or you're sort of in the background? How 
Yeah, I saw yeah. Uh, who won the Everest the other day, and uh, they couldn't. Whoever won the Everest uh, was sitting out the back in the mounting yard, couldn't couldn't be on track. How, how do you like, yeah. position yourself? I am. Um, I'm. I'm quite a nervous race watcher. I'm. I'm fine in the lead ups. I'm fine. Um, but once a race starts, I can't watch it with anyone. Yep. So I'll go and watch it on my own, generally away from um, everyone. And and. Mm. You know, if they win, then I'll obviously reunite. But I just like <laughs> to be in a space where if it all goes pear-shaped, I'm at least in my own thoughts and can handle it myself yep. rather than having someone around me, you know, trying to console me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. as a trainer, how do you deal with expectations, I guess? And I, I try and um, relate to footy a little bit because that's what I've done. We go out mm-hmm. to win, uh, you know, 22 games um, of the year. You're not going to win them all, but you try and win. Yeah, if you're at Hawthorne, West Coast has been pretty good, so... Um, yeah. yeah, you lose a game and you're like, ah, oh, shit, that really... But in horse racing, you know, you've got so many horses, so many races, you can't win them all. How do you deal with, um, you know, each race as it is? Is it, you know, the emotions? And I'm, and I'm a sook when I lose. And I'll be, I'd be mm. so flat I haven't gone home with 10 winners. How, how do you yeah. ride the emotions or the expectations of, you know, you can't win everything in the, in the racing world? Yeah, it's, um, it's a really good question because I suppose in footy... Um, you guys, obviously with Hawthorne and West Coast, you've had huge success and you have you have a very high strike rate of winning. You know, mm. you probably sit at 70 or 75%. Yeah. I'm not sure what it would be. But in racing, if you've got a good strike rate, you're sitting at probably 19, yeah. 20%. So you're winning one in five. So you're losing more than you're going to win. And <laughs> yeah. I think you've just got to accept that most of your horses are going to lose. And you just hope that the ones you think are ready to win can. And I think... You've got to focus on having, you know, it's very much setting your horse for race. So, yeah, you know, at the start of the spring, um, we always start our spring off pretty slow, like in August, September. Yeah. And a lot of it is just getting the horses fit and getting a run into them and getting them rolling along. And they'll all have a grand final, which is generally coming up in the next 10 days, which they've been absolutely set for to yeah. peak um, in the biggest race of their their time and I suppose it'd be I suppose it'd be a little bit like what Richmond have done yeah where they have those peaks and troughs and they look like you go they're going they're going no good like they're they're done and they start peaking again when you when you need to be so so like horse like warning or still prince they haven't been at peak fitness really until now so Mm -hmm. they're fully ready to go and whether they're good enough you know you hope that they are so I suppose that's the case with from a horse like them to your to your average horse who may only ever win a maiden, yeah. you need to make sure you've got it ready perfectly on that right day because if they don't or if you've or if something goes wrong, they may never even win a race. I had a horse I own a share with 40 mates yeah. called Inzaghi and she um, she wasn't much good but she was handy enough and yeah. she ended up having 10 starts for us for like six seconds, three-fourths <laughs> and never won a race. Yeah. And it's sort of like they hurt more than anything because you just course. want to get a win with those horses and tick it off and, and move on. But um, yeah, it's it is the peaks and troughs, and I think you've got to you've got to be emotionally removed. I think a little yeah. bit like I think if you're really emotional um, about it all, you, you're going to just go into massive yeah. you know, highs and lows. It's not healthy, obviously, for anyone's mental well-being to do that so i try and keep a really level yeah when things are going great you obviously you want to celebrate it but you keep it very level and then when they're going badly you're still level and you you accept that you're going to come out of it and, and be fine yeah have you got a time for just a couple more quick ones 
Yeah. Uh, as a trainer, how do you go? Obviously, racing uh, is a lot around the punt. Like, oh, I enjoy a punt. Are you, are you a punter or are you trying avoid that um, and stick to training winners and getting your, getting your coin through the percentage of winnings? No, look, I do. I do have a punt a little bit. It's um, it's it's hard to, yeah. I mean, because it, it it helps when you're looking at a race of what you've got a horse in, and you can yeah. go, okay, am I realistic chance in this, or like, yeah. would I back my own horse in this race, or or not? Um, I, I wouldn't think I'm doing it to try and earn a financial. No, I mean, obviously you're trying to win every time, but I don't think I, I wouldn't be a winning punter. I wouldn't yeah. think at all. And um, but it's 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 a part of it, and I think it it's it's it makes it interesting like you know when you think you've got one right and and you back it and it does win it's yeah. a it's a serious high but as i've sort of said to dad i reckon in the next few years i've probably won some settled with it i'd probably stop my yeah. dad hasn't he used to punt a lot when he was younger i think and probably in the last um he stopped when he was probably my age now and, yeah. and he hasn't put one on since and i think it i think once you reach a sort of stage where you where you're happy not to it you know you can just stop so yeah. yeah, no, it's 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 interesting. I've always wondered that, and I think uh, here I think it was Kieran Marley the other day talking about something he'd um, trebled up a couple of three of his horses, and the third one uh, was Bob for second, and it was a fair multi he had going. I was like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, uh, <laughs> mate! The uh, have you got one? Have you got obviously you got the two um, running in the Melbourne Cup, which is, which is so exciting for you. Have you got a couple of others in the yard that you're uh, looking forward to seeing what they can do through the spring? Even something that you you know might not have had a run. Who were the couple? that you are really excited yeah, to see? I think um, for Cup Week, I think our best runner will be on Cup Day, but he'll, he's called Ain't No Deal Done. Yep. Um, he's a three-year-old. He'll run in the 1,800-metre three-year-old listed race. Um, I really do like this horse. Like, I think he is, is a potential top liner in, in a few months' time. He's yep. still sort of learning his craft and he's still not quite race savvy or anything like that. Um and then there's a few other sort of floating around, but it's really hard, you know, because everyone wants to know, you know, the next 10 days, but yeah. because every trainer's got their horse perfect for the next 10 days, it's yeah. actually like you can be very confident with how your horse is going, but then you'll go there and, and everyone every else trainer is with how their horse is. So it's sort of, yeah. it's, um, it's just a good spectacle. Yeah. And, um, but I, I do think, yeah, he, he's going to be the, the one yeah, to look nice. out for. Who's, who's the favourite? Uh, you've got a favourite horse. Uh, it might be you know, something, some horse that won a maiden for you or, um, you know, just someone you've really enjoyed. Have you got a favourite yeah. horse that's in, in the yard for no, um, you know, for reasons other than just because they run, you know, they're the best, my biggest winning horse. But have you got a favourite? Yeah, well, I think um, probably Steel Prince. Like yeah. he's, he's come from, you know, we got him from Darren Weir. When, when he obviously um, got done. So yeah. he came to us and we won five in a row with him. He went from a, a benchmark 74 Raider to now he's running in his second Melbourne Cup. And yeah. I think he's, um, he's just that sort of horse. You, when, you take him, when you take him to the races, you know what you're going to get and, and you can rely on your result, you know, at least rely on him going very well. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is he's had he's had so many injuries. Like yeah. that, that, that's probably the side that the public never sees that – you know that there is always like any footballer or like any sportsman that that they get injured and and they have to have time off and you have to manage them through a prep. Yeah, and he's had, I think he's had like five pins in one of his in one of his, you know, fetlocks or yeah. you know, his ankle is human, and then he's had, 
um, a stress fracture to his shoulder and he's had like all these sort of little niggles and most yeah. horses after that would would turn it up and probably wouldn't wouldn't want to be doing it and, mm. and you'd make sure you, you retire them and find them a good home but he's he's not a horse that wants to stop racing anytime soon he absolutely loves getting out there in the morning so yeah i think he's the favorite Mate, and uh, sitting at the pub watching the races uh, over a few stubbies, the, the amount of times you hear someone in the in the at the bar yell at, "Oh, that fucking jockey, what a clown!" You know, "Oh, he's butchered it." <laughs> Have you ever? It, I, I don't like conflict. Um, I try and avoid it as best as possible. But I know a couple of the trainers can tend to um, they give give some honest feedback. Yeah, uh, and maybe Mister Grumpy. Your old man might have done. It. Have you have you had to deliver a um? What 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 did I just witness uh, to a couple of jockeys yet? Um, there's been a couple, I won't sort of name who they were to, but yeah. there's been a few where like, um, where they just blatantly ridden against your instruction yeah. or against how it was asked. And you sort of just query like, um, <laughs> okay. So there was, there was Hansi Attic last week yeah. who, who Luke Curry rode, he knows he stuffed it up completely yeah. and sort of came in and he knew he stuffed it up. Um, and it, and it stings like, you know, you just want to you want to rip their head off, but it's sort of yeah. like it's done and it's finished, and you sort of you just got to accept it. There'll be other times where like Dad's very good at um, he won't ever get angry at a jockey like for his ride, but yeah, he'll 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 send them a message or something after the race, and it'll, it'll just be like six months. And so that's his way of saying <laughs> you're banned for six months until I give you another ride. So Is it really there's been, six there's been um, amongst all the jockeys, they they know all about it. You know, you get time from dad and you won't ride a horse for him for two or three months yeah. and then you, you get back on one and then you, you hope to kick on so I think <laughs> speaking through those sort of actions actually holds more weight than, <laughs> than going off in the mountain yard. Oh I can just imagine I mean it happens that when you know you get a text from someone you don't know the number or whatever occasionally and you think shit what have I done what have I done I can imagine your old man six months oh shit <laughs> Um, mate, last last couple top three jockeys. If you had, um, you know, obviously uh, the two that are riding your, your Melbourne Cup um, hopefuls are, are off the off the agenda because you obviously highly rate uh, mm. those two, Willie and, and Curry. If you had um, three jockeys riding at the moment, who would you your three that you'd love to get your hands on? Oh, look, I think um, Jamie Carr. She's yeah. she's riding absolutely amazing at the moment. She's just a really good horsewoman. Like. You know, we've had her on a few horses that are just really difficult and, and she's just got an amazing way of getting them into a good rhythm, mm. relaxed, and she's at the, right at the top of her game. I think um, James McDonald, obviously, he's yeah. he's absolutely airborne and probably Ollie. I mean, you know, he's not getting any younger, but, you know, it was his first sit on a horse like warning in the derby last year and he, mm. he pulls off a ride like that from one of the widest gates. So I think... Um, they're probably the three I'd be I'd be siding with. Yeah, I'm I'm, a, I'm an absolute Jamie Carr fan, mad, absolutely mad for it to the stage where if I don't, I won't even look at some form if on a on a Saturday, and I'll just go. Mm. I just back that whatever Jamie Carr's on, she thinks it's a reasonable yep. ride, and I know that the horse is going to get a good ride. She's absolutely incredible. Mm. Last, last two, mate. Do jockeys still get a sling? Do you still give jockeys a sling? The owners after a, a good ride or anything yeah, like that? The, the owners do generally. Um, I think if you. If a, if a jockey has a good association with an owner or the, they ride a lot for them, they'll always look after them. And I think it, yeah. it um, you know, it, it, not that a jockey needs any extra incentive, but it's it's certainly rewarding when, you know, particularly on a big race, like mm. um, if you ride a big group one winner for a, on a colt in a, in a big race, yeah. you know, the jockey's always going to be well looked after, whether it be through um, a nomination to the stallion or, you know, something like that. Yeah. So those big ones, definitely. 
Uh, and last one, mate, five years' time, or no, ten years' time, I suppose, because the, the racing industry, you don't need to be too young to be involved. Where, where do you want to be in ten years? Look, I think um, I'd love to still be training, obviously. I think, uh, you know, I'd love to be not going to be leading a premiership through the numbers that we're going to have, but if we can be, you know, competing in every group one yep. competitively and, and winning group ones each year, I think that's the main thing. It's hard to set particular you know boundaries on where you want to be but i think um just being ultra competitive in all those big races uh, and how do we get involved racing with you mate what's the what's the best way to, to get involved um under your tutelage i think um probably just through our website or twitter or facebook or yep. even instagram like you can send us a dm or something like that and we can see what's what's around to get involved with yep. you know the sales are coming up now so in January, we'll always be looking to sort of restock with young horses. And we always like to get some interest before the sales. So it gives you a bit of confidence to go there and buy a couple yeah. and, and know that um, you've got some people that are interested. So, yeah, through any of those avenues are, are easy. Well, mate, uh, I've got a, a kid due uh, on Saturday. So I'll get through that. I'll, uh, I'll make sure that we're not broke after uh, after labour and all that sort of hoo-ha. And I reckon... Uh, <laughs> We might send a little, um, a little um, group of WA boys over with a little share in something you've got um, next year. So look forward to getting involved, mate. Wish you all the very best for um, a massive, massive week of racing, especially yeah, the Melbourne Cup. If, uh, if Matt Prittis, I'll call uh, a still prince Matt Prittis, just a, if, if, just a, real, um, <laughs> a w- real workhorse. Uh, a warning can get the chocolates, which uh, two of my close mates are, are really, oh, probably more than two, but two of my absolute close ones are involved in. I'll be rooting yep. for you. Uh, all the best. And uh, thanks very much for jumping on, mate. Um, it's been an absolute uh, joy chatting to you. No, thanks for having me on. And good luck on Saturday. I hope it all goes well with the baby. Patch and Southern Moon, but warning is brave. 100 metres to go. It's warning to Lake Southern Moon. And it's Damien Oliver and warning to win the derby. Three Lake Southern Moon, Soul Patch third. Hopefully on Tuesday they're saying warning wins the Melbourne Cup. Sam Friedman, thank you very much for coming on. Absolute belter. Two cup horses running on Tuesday. Wish you all the very best. And, of course, we must mention Exchange Depot, change for change. They pay cash on the spot. A lot of places don't pay cash for your containers. They'll give you some stupid voucher where you literally have to fly to the moon and back to cash it in. No, Exchange Depot, cash on the spot. No limit returns. Bring the road train in. They will take it off your hands. People say, oh, I've been turned back from other other depots because of um, crushed containers. Not an exchange depot. Crushed containers, all acceptable. Open six days a week, Monday to Saturday. Just check out exchangedepot.com.au for their five locations to see what's nearest to you. Of course, in Bays, Water, Esperance, Forestfield, Quinata Beach, and Picton. Crack it, smack it, stash it, cash it. Head down to Exchange Depot and get your money. They'll love to see you there. Enjoy your weekend. My wife is giving birth on Saturday. So there might be a week where there's no podcast. I wish you all the very best, especially those in Victoria. Grab a beer, enjoy a beer, you've earned a beer. Cheers, guys.